Great. Thanks, everyone. So before we go into the considerations for and against tech change versus social change, I think we're going to first start off with just a number of qualifications in order to narrow down on just exactly what we are going to be discussing. So the first thing is, for technological development, we're just going to be constrained to food tech, so particularly plant-based alternatives and clean meat. I know there's other things we could consider, so things like virtual reality, or we could get a lot more speculative about things like you know, artificial intelligence or potentially gene editing, but we're just really not going to go into those things. So it's just focused on food tech, plant-based foods, and clean meat. Um, we're, and then when we talk about social change advocacy, social change slash advocacy, I might use those interchangeably, um, we're talking about the things that the animal advocacy community right now thinks are priorities. So things like strong corporate or legislative reforms, things like personhood initiatives to get basic rights for some species, for some individuals of non-human species, and possibly also work that affects society's attitudes towards farmed animals, towards animal farming, and towards animal farming alternatives. Um, so there's like a lot of range in there. You know, this could include like supportive documentaries and like nonfiction film and television. But just assume that we're talking about like the best things in the clean meat, plant-based, like food tech space, and the best things in the advocacy space. So like clean chicken meat to you know strong reforms or personhood initiatives, not like clean suede and um, I don't know whatever we think isn't effective. <laughs> So just assume we're talking about the top things because some of this, obviously, like in practice, some of these considerations come down to like, well, this is like a bad tech idea and this is a good advocacy idea. So just all considering good advocacy and tech ideas. Um, so we're also, I just made that qualification. Um, so these are considerations for how we should divide and prioritize our resources as a movement and how, you know, where the marginal value is. So in practice, an individual's comparative advantage might matter a lot. If you have a degree in like tissue engineering, you should probably just go work in food tech. But if you're the kind of person who could be like a really strong entrepreneur or a really strong advocate, this is more of an open question for you. We're also um, relying, these are very highly speculative topics, and we're relying on pretty weak evidence in either direction. So really no one should come away from this with like a strong opinion of whether in general we should be putting more into tech or more into advocacy. You should really kind of just have like a weak leaning either way. Um, and last couple qualifications that we're not each taking aside, we're um, going to each talk about some considerations for advocacy and for tech, generally just the ones that we each find strongest on either side. And we're going through some very loaded and complicated considerations. So we're so sorry if we don't have time to like explain some things, but you can totally just like come up to us afterwards and like get that clarification from us. Mm -hmm. And I think another really important thing to acknowledge is that there's obviously like really complex and important interactions between the two. So the approaches are complementary. Uh, if we do make technological progress, this will make social progress easier. By changing attitudes, we also increase demand for the technological project progress. So these are just, yeah, definitely like that's worth considering. And neither of us are saying it, but it's either or. Obviously, it's like how much do we want of this versus how much do we want of that. Um, I think the other thing I would say on this is obviously that, you know, once people have stopped eating animals, it does seem like it would be easier to change their attitudes towards animals. And I think the final point I would make here is that historically, 
there does seem to be a relationship between technological progress and social change. So, for instance, and I don't have a great sense of this, but I've heard cases where the technological change seems to have driven the social change. So, for, for example, with the eradication of the horse and cart by the automobile, with the like, decimation of whaling by changes in how we source oil, uh, there's also examples around female empowerment through contraception, opposition to the Vietnam War through televised images. Yeah, and I think I would leave it at that for now. Um, and this is like one of our first like cruxes and disagreements. I think um, those particular examples, teasing out the causation is very challenging because we do expect there to be a cyclical effect. We mentioned once you introduce technology, um, it can, so in the case of animal farming, we have these studies suggesting that if you're thinking about eating animals or if you're eating animals, you think they're less morally valuable than you otherwise would. So we should expect, therefore, that once people are eating more clean meat, plant-based meat, they will be more receptive to animal um, animal-friendly attitudes. So that's the kind of effect that can have. And then in the opposite direction, we have things like if people are more, if people care about the animals more, they're going to want this technology more. Um, but teasing out the causation historically between tech change and advocacy change, I think is hard. It just seems like maybe the best we can say is like there is causation in both directions. And of course, we also have examples where it seems like the tech definitely just followed morality, like clean energy and, and you know electric cars, a lot of technology changes um, that have to do with the environmentalist movement seem much more driven by uh, like morality and interest in climate change than just pure interest in efficiency. Um, so like I said, don't think of us as like taking a side. We'll just like clarify like what each point is for. This is a point in favor of advocacy, and it's probably the only time I'm going to use the whiteboard. Um, so basically, tech doesn't go backwards like social change can. Like once we've developed a technology, like, okay, we know how to use it, we can use it. But social change is, is it's just harder to say that it's going to stick around um, once we do it, which is, okay, so let me draw this up for you. So basically, say we're here. We're like going along and then we make clean meat happen and then like this is where we start making it happen and then it like levels off here and the whole world is just like clean meat, no animal farming. Great. This is our progress. Let me just put these on both of these here. Um, this is value over time. So say this is what we expect the world to be. If we work on technology and bring the tech faster, then what we're doing is like bringing it up here, but it's still got the same trajectory. I should not have put those above. Just assume those are together. And our difference is like in this space here. So we've made it come faster, but it was going to come anyways. So like down here, the world is the same value, but like this difference here, because we made the tech come faster, is what we contribute. If we instead work on advocacy, that changes the direction of the future and not just the speed with which it comes, because we expect the technology to just kind of come, but we don't expect social change to necessarily happen if we don't work on it. Then instead what's happening is at this time, you know, when we make, start making the clean meat, if we're also like doing this advocacy, then maybe we can push up the change higher. And then we end up with like a higher value long-term world. I hope that made sense. I appreciate that that is complicated. The difference is now this, that's bigger than that. Got it. <laughs> um, so that's a big consideration in favor of working on 
social change instead of tech, because we just think the tech might happen without us anyways. Now, of course, that could, this is also a consideration, or well, a counter consideration is that tech itself could be an efficient way to achieve that change because we reduce the dissonance. Um, and then maybe that helps us like actually get to there. You can go for. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I think that counter consideration is important. So if we do take into, into account that the tech change could be the thing that is driving the social change and that tech, unlike social change, can't go backwards. I think that the timeline versus kind of the direction change, to me, doesn't seem to clearly point in favor of focusing on social change. Sure. So that's um, one specific example of like why why this could be the case is say if we are to have if we expect value locking to happen sometime soon. So say we have. Oh god, this is complicated. Let's just. I hope some of you know what value locking means. Basically, just assume there's some kind of world. Maybe like AGI develops, and just for whatever reason, our values at that time matter a lot. They extend into the future from that point. Then we maybe want to make sure that we speed up value change as fast as possible, like as much as possible. Maybe in exchange for what would otherwise be like more robust, stronger, longer term um, change. We're up. Yeah, we're up here. I moved this one. <laughs> so good. Um, and of course, some t some tech might offer a quicker improvement to that. So, like maybe aggressively rolling out like clean meat, chicken nuggets, like reduces cognitive dissonance more than taking the time to develop like whole chickens' bodies with like bones and special connective tissue and everything. Um, and maybe that's the like eighty twenty of the tech that we can do for social change. But of course, there, there may also be other ways to work against like speciesist prejudice that have higher near-term returns, even if we'd expect them to have lower returns relative to other strategies in the long term, which could be things like maybe focusing on dramatic changes, like rates of personhood for some animals. Maybe like that's just what we would want to do if we thought value locking was going to come really soon. So we could just like make sure we're like pushing that speciesist barrier as like fast as possible, even if not as like long-term effectively. Um, as possible, were value change, were value locking not to happen. Um, we're really like trying to run through a lot of things here, so excuse us for this going so so quickly. I missed something just earlier that I want to make a point on. Um, with right, so with advocacy, there's a consideration that maybe before our advocacy efforts can even like have any promise, we need to get to a point where we have like the same products that we're consuming now and just have a different production process so that there's no like actual trade-off for um, the end user, for the consumer, which might mean that we just want to like get the tech to as like strong a place as we can right now and then do the advocacy, then go for the political change like once we have the identical products just with a different production process. Yeah, so just to jump back to the value locking consideration. Um, so I think one thing which affects my view here is that it seems like a low probability scenario, but potentially like a really high value scenario. Uh, I think the other thing which I would be wary of there is potentially if we are trying to advance social change really quickly and perhaps using like more aggressive tactics or whether that would be you know, attempting to achieve personhood for certain non-human animals. 
I think there's some potential for there to be like short-term negative effects of that. And yeah, I think I would just be, be aware of that when we are making that, that decision. And I think the other thing that I would say on this is just that, again, if we do suspect that there is going to be this value-locking scenario in the somewhat near future, that the tech lever might still be the best lever to pull on in order to achieve this social change. And it's not necessarily that the social change lever would be the best yeah. lever to pull on. Yeah, so we want to make those chicken nuggets and reduce that dissonance or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think, so this is a, another consideration which informs my opinion on this, would be that in general, I think that the comparative advantage of advocates is going to be doing advocacy, which requires this care and empathy for animals. For tech change, I think we're generally just going to be more replaceable there. We'll be able to have, you know, scientists or other people who don't necessarily care about animals, but they are motivated by profits and that sort of thing. They could potentially work on those things, whereas for us, if we do care about animals, our comparative advantage seems to be in an area which would require that care. And of course, that could also mean that we would see very high returns by like starting tech projects because maybe we're the most motivated in starting them, but then like investors and consumers can go like take it from us once we've started it. Um, this same consideration also means is also a general argument for the relative tractability of tech development. So like maybe we're more replaceable, but maybe it's also more tractable. Um, you can see why we think you should only really like lean weekly one way or the other because these are all quite um, you know, quite speculative considerations that just like lean one way or the other a little bit. Nothing is very strong here. Nothing is like oh, okay. Well, this is like obvious. We should be over here. Um, something I've been thinking a bit about lately is that. It's possible, so I assume everyone here, most people have like a basic concept of the moral circle. It's just who you include, who you think is morally relevant, what entities. Um, right now, humanity's moral circle like mostly includes humans, most of us more or less. Um, and then it kind of like goes gray out into like, okay, we care quite a bit about dogs and cats in the US. We care like a little bit about pigs and chickens right now. At least we like don't like factory farming. We don't really care about insects. We don't really care about digital minds yet. Um, so they're further away from the moral circle. And one consideration for working on tech instead of advocacy is that it's possible that the moral circle just has like a set point and it's just going to, to trend towards some particular point. It's not going to be able to expand forever. If there is a set point, it's probably focused around like powerful beings and it's probably, if there is such a set point, it's going to be, it's likely to be a place where uh, those who are included are those who like you can get a lot out of. And those who are excluded are the ones who are a burden to take care for, who don't really give you anything in return. You just have to care for like children who are just always going to be children, aren't going to be end up like having productive, um, or aren't going to end up being like productive to your society and the things that you want out of your life. And that will probably mean, you know, that maybe our moral circle stops at humans, or it's just like a lot harder to get past humans because. Um, humans of different like 
ethnicities having reduced racism means like lower conflict, and that's like great for us. But like maybe just inc including chickens is like not necessarily great for us. It's great for the chickens. Um, so that would be then a reason just for thinking that the advocacy is less tractable, and therefore we want to work more on the tech. Yeah, so that's a really interesting point on this potential set point to a moral circle expansion. I think that for me, there seems to be just like a large amount of uncertainty and like speculation involved in whether there is a set point, if there is a set point, where that set point is. So I find that for me, that is not one of the most uh, I guess considerations, which is like most informing my opinion here. Obviously, it is, it's definitely a consideration. We should definitely take that into account. But I think that's something that I find more informative is that for clean meats, I think there are significant questions around whether we can achieve cost competitiveness with the farmed animal products. So there's been one report from the Open Philanthropy Project. There's also been a paper published on this by Vanderwill and Trampo in 2014. And the basic thesis here is that, so with clean meats, you need a growth medium for the cells to proliferate. And the minimum costs of the growth medium currently are such that clean meat just can't become cost competitive. So I think at the minimum costs, we're looking at something like $8 per kilogram. And factory farmed animal products are just like, they're literally a fraction of that right now. Uh, but on the other hand, there are, you know, proponents or companies working in this area. So for example, Hampton Creek reported that they would have clean meat in restaurants by 2018. Uh, another group recently reported that by the end of 2018, the prices would be at $8 per kilogram. Um, and yeah, I, I think I'll do that. <laughs> um, so this is going to get at, like I think, a, a major crux on some of these considerations. But basically, clean meat should necessarily become cheaper than animal meat in the long term because it necessarily involves like less energy in terms of like the physical constraints of the universe. If uh, if you're growing an entire individual, you have to develop their like brain and their immune system. I mean, we might need some kind of immune system for clean meat, but you know, we don't need like to create like a sentient, intelligent brain. <laughs> we can just like skip that part. We can skip the skeleton. Um, so that's like a lot of processes that just like don't need to be part of um, clean meat process. So like theoretically, given enough technological advancement, like. The physical constraints of the universe suggest that, like, this is like what should happen eventually. Maybe that's in like a hundred years, maybe it's a thousand years, but it should happen eventually. Um, which gets us to the crux here, which is that if you um, if you discount the your uncertain impacts a lot, like however far away they are, if they're if they're um, farther into the future, if they're further away in space. Um, if you think your uncertain impacts are things you should just like discount basically like down to zero or somewhere close to that, then you may be more interested just in the next like few decades. And because of that, you, um, well, that can go different ways on some of these considerations. But for this 
particular consideration. It might mean that you want to work on the advocacy and not the tech because you don't think the tech is going to come in the next few decades. But if you are more interested in the very long term and you're like willing to take, you, you don't discount that uncertain, the uncertainty of 1,000 years from now of the impacts that you can make a 1,000 years from now, then you may be more interested in pursuing the technology because you think it's going to happen at least sometime in that time. Um, and that goes for a few of the other considerations here. So like log that if that's like something that you, if you like regularly either go towards the near-term stuff or the far-term stuff, that could like make the decision much more clear for you which, which way it should go, one or the other. Um, we have a couple other considerations. You may not have time for questions, but let's try to get through this quickly so we can do one or two. Okay. Um, one other consideration for advocacy is that many existing animal product replacements are very high quality, and yet, only a small part of the population is vegan and our like animal product consumption continues to rise. So that suggests that just making the technology good enough isn't enough. We need advocacy around it. We need to make people excited about it um, in order to get it adopted because just having the technology isn't enough. Mm. I'm not sure if they are high quality. So I have talked to people who feel like they kind of clearly don't taste like meat or this is like... Uh, clearly different from the taste of milk and this type of thing. I think the other thing is that the ones which do seem to be high quality do tend to be more expensive. And, you know, this is just is like this basic e economics is like one of the factors which determine what people buy. If, if the alternatives are more expensive, then people are going to buy them less. So if we can drive the costs down by further technological development, then yeah, this could potentially make progress a lot easier. Um, so I think the final consideration for me uh, is that there are axes other than tech versus social change, which I find are informing my opinion here. So when I'm thinking about possible donation targets on the social change side versus the technological development side, it feels like there are other just very relevant differences between them. So the track record of certain organizations seems to be stronger on the advocacy side. I can look at something like THL, which has been around for a number of years, and I can feel more confident in them. When I look at the technological development side, these are just new startups. They have like a very limited track record. Similarly, I feel more confident on the advocacy side in terms of how advocates have responded to signs of success and failure and being able to update their approach in light of those things, I feel less confident that the tech side of things is going to be able to do that. Yeah, so I find that there's just these other like relevant dimensions than the like tech versus social change dichotomy, which is also informing my opinion here. And they do seem to be like importantly different between the two options. And I just thought that I would highlight that. Well, there you go. Sorry, we don't have any answers for you unless you're just more confused. <laughs> um, I guess we might have time for one or two. Uh, sure. Well, we have time for one quick question. Um, uh, so uh, there's a question that says, it seems like the second graph is based on the assumption, um, I think these two graphs here, mm -hmm. is based on the assumption that once tech comes, not everyone will switch to plant-based meat. Do you think that there uh, will still be a large percentage of the population that will continue eating non-plant-based meat? And if so, how much? Um, so there are a couple things in this. Obviously, these graphs are oversimplifications. But um, 
So I think it's unlikely that literally just developing the tech itself is going to be enough. There have been plenty of other technologies that were not adopted because like advocacy got in the way, people's attitudes got in the way, even though it's like a better technology. Like nuclear energy got to 80% of the grid in France, only 20% in the US. We don't want the same kind of thing to happen to clean meat. We don't want clean meat to be like banned like GMOs are because people are just like more afraid of like, you know, cell-based meat than they are of factory farms. Um, that would suck. So we want to do advocacy work to make sure that happens. I think if we like literally just weren't doing any advocacy, I would not expect the entire world to adopt clean meat anytime soon, at least maybe in like the long run, it is more efficient. So it probably would happen eventually. Um, so this maybe is like partially just a speed consideration. But when I say advocacy, I also mean things to expand the moral circle more broadly. So not just talking about what's literally going to get um, animals switched off of people's plates for uh, cell-based or plant-based products, but also what's going to make them care more about those animals so that they don't hurt them in other ways, what's going to make them care more about other minds so that other problems can get solved too. And I think if we, uh, if we have you know, this moral emphasis around the way we end animal farming, if we end animal farming not just because it's more efficient, but we have this advocacy going with it that's like, we're doing this because we care about the animals. It just also is like really easy for you to believe that now that we have the technology and are making it easy for you. Um, then that like affects people's attitudes and helps us keep expanding that circle and protect more people. That's all the time we have for questions. Let's give it up for Kelly and Kieran. Thank you.